going. But now today, we are talking about um, the end of chapter 47, the role of women in the church. Was that all the announcements I had? I think so. Okay. So, now, uh, now I'll go back. Um, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you first. If you have been at Scottsdale Bible Church a while, you might have noticed something, that the pastor is a man. Well, you say, so what? But that's not true in all churches. You go to some churches and you have a pastor being a woman, but we have a man. Jamie's a man, Daryl was a man. Hmm, why is that? And then if you've been here a little longer, you'll notice something else. There's an elder board of 14, 15, 16, I don't know, it has varied in number, but uh, the elder board is all men. And when you vote for the choice for elders, it's all men. Why is that? What is the reason that Scottsdale Bible Church has men in leadership, the elder role and the senior pastor role? Then you look around at Scottsdale Bible Church, you notice something else. We've got uh, Margie is uh, women's Margie. What's Margie's last name? Galloway, Margie Galloway is the women's ministry director, and she's directing a whole lot, I mean, dozens of activities in the church. We have women uh, directing sections of the counseling ministry at various times. We have, which didn't happen when I was growing up, we have women and men ushers in the church, and we have communion. We have women and men serving communion together. I bet hardly any of you 30, 40 years ago, we're in a church where that happened. And we have both women and men serving in other kinds of paid positions on the staff here. And having position, oh, uh, Patty Bubna is uh, at the ministry director level directing the uh, uh, communications for the church. And uh, women as well as men involved in uh, various aspects of leadership in the, in the worship ministry here. So just lots of activities for women as well as men, but not elder and not senior pastor. Why is that? And is that a good idea? Well, that whole question is a question of intense controversy in churches around the United States and around the world. And um, so basically I'm gonna say today that I agree with Scottsdale Bible Church. I agree with the policies we have. And here's some of the arguments that go into supporting that. Is that all right? So if you, if you that was a summary. So now if you want to leave. <laughs> you got the main point uh, that Scottsdale Bible Church is right in what it's doing. But, but uh, because it's so controversial, there are all sorts of back and forth questions and arguments and things that have come in the last, oh, I would say since about the late 60s or early 70s in the United States and then in churches around the world. So are you ready for all this? Here we go. One question can summarize the differences among churches today over this issue. And uh, this is the summary question. And the question is, should some governing and teaching roles in the church be restricted to men. And the, the word here, some, some is the key. And there are two positions in the, in the evangelical world and, and actually two new names, two new words that you probably didn't hear 
you didn't hear 30 years ago anyway. Um, one is complementarian. And, and that position says men and women complement each other. We're different, but we complement each other. And one of the ways we complement each other is that there's a leadership role that's reserved for men in the church. And so they would say yes to this question. And that's the position that I hold. The other position is egalitarian. Egalitarian is kind of related to the word for equal. Egalitarian. And uh, the egalitarian position would say, no, no, no roles are reserved for men. In other words, a woman could be elder or a woman could be senior pastor. Okay? Is that, so I'll be using both those words. Sometimes the egalitarian position is also called an evangelical feminist position because it's, it's held by evangelicals who are in, in churches that hold to the Bible, and they say, well, we can get this out of the Bible. And then other people say, no, you can't get it out of the Bible because this, this and this and this. So these are the arguments. Those are the two views. Scottsdale Bible Church is, in this terminology, complementarian. Okay? We'll start out on your outline, a reaffirmation or an affirmation of equality in personhood and importance because of equality in the image of God between men and women. So right on the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1:27. so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God says that we are both male and female in his image, and I think in his image means we're like God more than any other creature, and we represent God on the earth. Uh, and, um, and in being like God, we represent him. So... Um, that means that we both have this greatest status of anything that God made being in the image of God. And we're both that way. Genesis 1, first chapter in the Bible says we're both in the image of God, and I think we share that image equally, and so we're equally valuable before God, equally uh, important to Him. But could we be different if we're equal value? And the, the course of course, the it's the same question in marriage. And I didn't bring the apple and orange today, but um, in the sermon a couple weeks ago, I held up an apple and an orange and say, which is more important? Well, you can't say. Apple's good, orange is good. But they're good for different things. If you want to make orange juice, you want the orange. It works a lot better for making orange juice. If you want to make apple pie, or apple juice, you want the apple, because it's, it's better for making apple pie. So they're different, but you can't say that an orange is more important than an apple, or an apple is more important than an orange. They're, they're, they're equally important, they're just different. And so I think uh, that we can say that as men and women in marriage and in the church, we're equal in value, but, but we're different. And, and different doesn't mean better or worse. And so in the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit is poured out in new fullness on both men and women. And here's a remarkable thing. Acts 2, um, the, the prophecy of Joel 2 is fulfilled. And, and Peter quotes this as fulfilled. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out. It says, in fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, Acts 2, 17, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters. See, male and female. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So there's young and old. And then even on my male servants and female servants, that's men and women again, 
in those days, male servants and female servants. I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And so the Holy Spirit is poured out, and that means both men and women have gifts for ministry. And after the service at Scottsdale Bible Church, many times there will be an invitation, if you'd like prayer for something in your life, come forward and somebody will pray for you. And men and women from different leadership uh, sections of the church are up there waiting to pray for you. Uh, both men and women. Why? Because who's the better prayer, a man or a woman? Well, you can't say. God enables us, gives us the Holy Spirit to minister to one another, enables us uh, in that way. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 12, 7 and 12, 11, Paul says, um, each one has received a gift. That means everyone has received something by which he or she can function in the ministry of the church. So we're all important. Acts 18, 26, Aquila and Priscilla, I'll talk about this later, to Aquila and Priscilla together explained to Apollos the word of God more accurately. They're both sharing their insights from Scripture. Uh, and First uh, Peter 4.10, again, about all of us receiving gifts from the Lord, every believer. And Acts 8.12, very interesting. Uh, when they received the word, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, that was a change from the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, people weren't baptized, but there was, a, there was a physical act by which people showed they were included among God's people, and that was circumcision, and by its nature, it only applied to men. But circumcision isn't the act in the New Testament that shows that you're part of God's people. Baptism is the physical act that shows that you're part of God's people, and so baptism testifies to the fact that we're were equal in value before God because both men and women now receive that sign. In Galatians 3.28, Paul said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that emphasizes our equality and our unity in the Lord. So there's a lot there. And I put a note here, women's gifts and ministries have wrongly been stifled in many evangelical families and churches. And I, um, oh, I, I just hear all sorts of sad stories about that. In the past, I remember someone telling me, well, uh, she said, I grew up in a church where even at the women's Bible study, we had to play a tape recording of the pastor's sermon. No Beth Moore <laughs> allowed. And I, that's just going way overboard. The Bible doesn't say it, doesn't, doesn't talk about that, doesn't, doesn't prohibit that. And so, and, and, uh, and I know in the church I was growing up in, in Wisconsin, um, you know, it was just, Men were doing the ushering and men were serving communion and those visible kind of, I don't know, indications of, of who was involved in ministry here. Was, it was all male-oriented and I don't think that was right. And, and, um, and so I think that out of this controversy, as is always the case, that when there's a controversy in the church, the Lord, out of the turmoil, brings some correction of past wrongs. And, uh, well, here on Sunday morning, who, who contributes more in the comments and questions afterward, men or women? I think it's about equal. Why? Because everybody has, you know, you're all processing and thinking, and, and the Lord shows you something or has brought something to mind, or you're aware of something before, and you bring it to my attention. I say, oh, yeah, that's good. I, I didn't think about that. So we're, we're kind of, in that way, we're teaching and encouraging one another. And, <clears throat> and, and we ought to, I think that's really right that we do that. <coughs> Many of you are in or have been in home fellowship groups where men and women together contribute their insights from the Bible. 
and they're understanding, and it's really good stuff. Or Margaret's in this Beth Moore Bible study, and she's, oh, look at this about the tabernacle or whatever. I say, whoa, that's really good. So we can learn from each other, and, and, uh, and we need to encourage that and be thankful for that. Okay, so that's point one. <clears throat> but point two, does that mean that there are no differences? No. Point two, or point B, it seems to me that some, some, some governing and teaching roles in the church are restricted to men. Now, let me say, in how this works out in actual practice, churches are going to have little differences here and there. Some will say, well, only elders serve communion in our church, so we're not going to have women serve communion. Oh, I can understand that, and, and Presbyterian, conservative Presbyterian churches, for instance, would, would do that. But on the other hand, I say, well, I don't think only elders need to be involved in serving communion. So in our church, we have both men and women serving communion. That's a little difference in an application. But, but they're still kind of affirming the general truth that, that these things aren't just for, one, for an ancient culture, an ancient time, but it's for today. Am I making sense here? So... Uh, <clears throat> So people can differ on the specific application, but in general, the question is, even if we, even if we might differ on like, oh, you want a should a woman be teaching a, a Sunday school class or a college age or a high school age Sunday school class or should a woman be leading a home fellowship group or whatever? Churches can differ on those kind of things, but still be in agreement on the main principle that there, there is some, some difference that is still for today, and here it is defined in 1 Timothy. Okay, so here's the main passage. Uh, Paul says, 1 Timothy 2.11, let, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. <laughs> now the context is when the church meets together. The context is I desire in every place, verse 8, men should lift hands with, ho should lift holy hands without anger or quarreling. Uh, women should adorn themselves modestly. It's, uh, it's the context of public worship. And in that context, Paul says, Oh, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And here, what is being taught in, uh, the, when the church met in the, in the first century? This would be Ephesus, but other churches. Are they, is, is it geometry that they teach on Sunday morning? Is it uh, biology or chemistry? No, it's Bible, isn't it? That's what the church, that's what's being taught. So teach means the Bible teaching of the type that Jamie does on Sunday morning or honestly probably of the type that I'm doing right now. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, the church by letting me teach this class or by letting uh, Jamie, authorizing Jamie to preach the sermon, says uh, we want you to do Bible teaching to the assembled group of believers here and by giving you this podium, the church is saying, we trust you, that, that basically that you're going to be teaching what is faithful to the word of God. And, and, and we encourage believers to, not that you're going to believe every single detail, but in general to, to believe what is being taught from the pulpit. And so in that context, Paul says, in the context of the assembled church, Paul says, I don't permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And... Um, I think that's kind of governing authority over the congregation, and we'll get to that in, um, in, a, in a few minutes about, about uh, authority over what is being taught. And then Adam, Paul says, here's the reason for, and in Greek, the word gar means I'm telling you the reason why uh, I'm saying this. Here's his reason, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. 
That's reason one. And reason two, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. And we'll talk about that. Um, so these reasons go back to right at the beginning of time. They're not, they're, they're not some other reasons that people are proposing, like, oh, women weren't educated, well-educated then, or something like that. So that's the, that's the setting. And then, um, <clears throat> and then he finishes, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. There are some puzzling things in those verses, which I'll try to get to in a few minutes. Um, uh, but we'll start with the main point on uh, verse 12. I don't permit a woman in the assembled church to teach or exercise authority. And that's the Greek text, which we don't need right now. Um, well, the setting is the assembled church. I guess I talked about that. In that setting, women could not do Bible teaching or have a governing authority over the assembled congregation. Okay, that's, that's the main point I wanted to make. However, the next question comes up. Well, Wayne, don't you see other things in the New Testament that encourage women to do some other kinds of ministry and some other kinds of teaching in the church? And my answer is yes. So lest we go way over to the, what I would call, a too restrictive extreme, I want to come back and say, there, are, as with everything in the Bible, if you teach just one, one, one side of it and not the balancing side from other verses, you get a distorted view. So here there's some balancing things. And that is the New Testament views positively other kinds of teaching and other speaking by women in various ways in the church. For instance, I think the Bible views positively explaining the Bible to anyone in more informal settings. And here's, <clears throat> here's an example. In Acts 18.26, uh, it's talking about Apollos, who was uh, speaking boldly in the synagogue in Ephesus. You were just in Ephesus, Glenn. Or you and Joyce were just in Ephesus, just took a tour of Ephesus. And while well, here in Ephesus, in that city, um, uh, Apollos was speaking, and uh, he began speaking boldly in the synagogue. But you know what? He didn't know everything about uh, what Jesus had done and how the apostles were teaching this. And so um, Priscilla and Aquila came around, and they're listening to him and saying, man, is that guy good at talking about how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies? Jesus is the Messiah. This guy's doing a great job in the synagogue, but he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't heard everything about, I don't know, maybe some of the things that Jesus taught before he ascended into heaven, some of the things the apostles were teaching in Jerusalem. So, and, and Priscilla and Aquila do that. But they didn't stand up and rebuke him publicly or correct him publicly. It's very interesting. It says, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him in this uh, pros elabantal. Uh, uh, this, this word, they took, it, it has the, the implication of they took him aside. And, and privately, they took him and explained to him, proslambano is the verb, they, they took him and, ex, and then explained to him the way of God more accurately. And this word explained, ektithemi, ethenta here in this form, that's plural. That verb is plural in Greek. So they explained, they explained to him more accurately the way of God. 
Priscilla and Aquila together are saying, Apollos, we're just so thankful for what you're doing. And it's, it's wonderful how you're showing how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. But you know, we've got to tell you something else about Jesus. And here's something else, and here's something else. And in the context of the book of Acts, Luke records this as something very positive. It's something about how the gospel was spreading, and it was wonderful, and, it, and it's viewed with approval. So it seems to me that that's analogous to Pammy saying, but Wayne, what about this verse? And, isn't, you know, and I said, oh yeah, Pammy, that's right. Okay, I forgot about that. And, or it's analogous to being in a home Bible study, and Margaret saying to me, but Wayne, wait a minute, what about, how about the verse before that? You forgot, okay, thank you, Margaret, I didn't see that. So there's all sorts of this, um, what I would call, explaining the Bible to anybody in more informal settings where it's not the formal teaching on, on Sunday morning. Am, am I making sense? Uh, Aquila was a man, Aquilas. And, and Priscilla was a woman. Yeah. And there, there's kind of ways to know what's a man's name and what's a woman's name in Greek. So it was a man. Okay. And there's something else that the Bible encourages. Number two, Bible teaching to other women. Titus 2.13. Uh, Paul's writing to Titus here in Crete. And Paul says to Titus, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, they are to teach what is good. They are to teach what is good. And so, how, what does that result in? Train the young women <clears throat> to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not revile. So older women are to train the younger women. That means, I mean, those who are more mature and, and gone along further in the faith can train those who are newer in the faith in how they are to act. Example, um, all these women's Bibles, how many going on on Tuesdays here? 12? 14 to choose, I mean, how many? Lots, 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 every Tuesday morning. Uh, just all this, and many of you in other Bible studies, uh, women's Bible studies, and um, and these Beth Moore Bible studies. I mean, her video is going to, I suppose, tens of thousands of people, isn't it? Nobody ever made a video of me to go to tens of thousands of people. <clears throat> so I, I think that's it's wonderful, um, and and it shows that both men and women have gifts in understanding the Word of God and in teaching and communicating the Word of God. That's good. And so that's another thing that should be done. And, and I could say um, Margaret does, um, um, she has mentoring groups for seminary wives. And uh, just, I don't know what they do, but they get together and <laughs> I kind of stay out of it. Um, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's what, what the church should do. And that's, that's good. <clears throat> Number three, <clears throat> evangelism in any context. Bible doesn't, say anything that restricts evangelism to unbelievers and women or men um, doing evangelism and sharing the gospel with others. Uh, and, um, well, who's the kind of first example of that in the gospels is the woman at the well <clears throat> that uh, Jesus talked to. And then she went back into the city and said, come here, man, who told me everything I ever did. And they, they, they began to follow Jesus and believe because she spread the good news about Jesus. And then it's very interesting, after Jesus rose from the dead, who were the first people he appeared to? They were women. 
And they went back and told the disciples. The disciples, whoa, they didn't believe them. They were, but it was just, I think it was Jesus affirming that women as well as men are trustworthy witnesses to the truth of the gospel. And they were given this wonderful privilege of being the first witnesses to the greatest event in history. Hmm. I think that's the Lord's, the Lord's uh, work and, and wisdom. <clears throat> and so what, what it's talking about is, is Bible teaching before the assembled congregation, and that's not the same as evangelism. And then other speech activities in the assembled church. I won't go into this now, but in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul assumes that both men and women are praying and prophesying in the church meetings. Now, I think prophesying is not Bible teaching. I think it's God brings something to mind, and you say, I think God brought this to mind, and I think we should... You know, and, 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 and I think it's from the Lord, and would you consider it, that kind of thing. But, um, but that was allowed in the assembled church, certainly singing, singing solos, uh, and, and reading scripture, as well as praying aloud, and, and giving personal testimonies, or giving reports on what's going on in a mission situation, or all of that, that's different from standing behind the pulpit and teaching the Bible, which is what First Timothy 2 talks about. So those things are all encouraged, and both men and women uh, can do those things. But my conclusion in point D is that Bible teaching and governing over the assembled congregation was restricted to men in the early church. Now, how does that apply in practice? I've talked about that a little bit. I've got a book called, and I just, I just brought it along, um, I mentioned it maybe before, called Evangelical Feminism and Biblical Truth. And on pages 84 to 100, I have 16 pages of saying, of this question, but what should women do in the church? And I think I have 83 activities in the church just listing various kinds of things and saying, well, this seems right, and this doesn't seem right to me. But almost all of them, I say both men and women can do these. And I've given many examples, um, um, but, but not all. And um, so whenever somebody brings up that question to me, I say, well, here's, here's the way we decide a question when the Bible doesn't give every specific example. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about um, this specific thing, an example. Um, a woman leading, uh, teaching a high school Sunday school class. Is that teaching or having authority over men or not? And people have asked me that. And so now what I do in my mind is I put it on this little diagram. The diagram is way over here the Bible says yes, and if I could just draw little stick figures here, Aquila, and, but I don't know how to do that on PowerPoint yet, to draw stick figures, so I couldn't do it. So, but I would have Aquila and Priscilla and, and Apollos, and they're kind of standing around or sitting around and talking together, and Aquila and Priscilla are explaining the Word of God more accurately to Apollos, and Apollos is saying, oh, wow, that's really good. Oh, I like that. I never thought of that. That's really super. So that's, that's viewed positively, uh, less formal, uh, talking about the Bible to one another. The no is 1 Timothy 2. That's Jamie on Sunday morning saying, this is what the Word of God says, and this is what you should do. Okay? That's, that's the Bible teaching in the assembled church. In between is this, oh, what about a woman teaching a high school Sunday school class? How do we do that? And that falls in this category. In between requires mature wisdom. And I want to let churches have differences of how they come to those decisions. My own decision on that is 
if somebody asks me for advice, I don't know what's going on here even. My own decision on that is that in our way of living, in our culture, our society today, high school boys and girls are still thought to be boys and girls under the teaching authority of their moms and dads still. And it doesn't seem to me that, that if, if the Apostle Paul said, I don't permit a woman to teach her have authority over men or a man, that I don't think that verse would really speak to it. They're growing toward manhood, but they're not quite there. Bottom line, I'm okay with a woman teaching a high school Sunday school class. But did you see how I kind of reasoned to it? I said, is it more like this? Or is it more like this? Or is it more like other things of women, of mothers and dads teaching their kids or something like that? It seemed to me to be more like this yes side. And so I was kind of weighing and evaluating, even though I didn't have the specific example in the Bible. Now somebody might say, well, I would prefer that those 11th and 12th graders have a, an example of a, of a godly man teaching them. Well, I say, okay, that's a reason you might prefer a man. But others might say, well, but this woman is really well qualified. She's doing a good job. I say, well, that's a reason. But I don't think you're disobeying the Bible one way or the other. That's just my judgment. Am I making sense? Okay. But in an adult class like this, I think it seems like what Paul's doing. But if it's an adult class that's smaller and it's kind of a discussion, it's not like this is what the Word of God says and you should do it. It's not like that. It's more like leading a discussion among adults, and I think there'd be more flexibility. Are you, am I making sense? I'm saying there are hundreds, there are thousands of different situations, and it's hard, apart from being in the situation itself, to know exactly what is wise, but we just seek to follow God's Word, saying there are some no's and there are some yeses, and we just want to be faithful. We don't care if we're popular in the culture. We don't care if everybody likes us or not. We just want to follow God's Word. That's all, that's all we're trying to do, and we're just seeking God's wisdom on it. Okay, you ready to go on for objections? You want to pause for a minute? Let's see. If I open up the door, do a bunch of... Nah. Margaret, what should I do? <laughs> Questions. <laughs> hmm. Why did I do that? Because I'm a wise wife. Okay, John. Oh, okay, John, and then... Okay, also have to hold... Women. Yeah. And... It seemed to me that that seemed to be appropriate. Yeah, Sunday school class, all women, sure. That seems very, that's older women teaching younger women. And it could be not even chronologically older. It could be just older and more mature in the faith, teaching those who are younger in the faith, sure. And is it Shirley here? I can't. Sherry, Sherry, yeah, just hold on a second. I didn't get the title of the book of the 83 activities in the church. <laughs> I didn't get the ti title. It's on the bottom of the third page. Number two, evangelical feminism and biblical truth. Okay, and uh, Shirley, I, Sherry, I'm sorry I know who you are. Sherry, I listed four books that agree with me there because I wrote three of them. And, <laughs> <laughs> edited the fourth one. <laughs> and, then, 
And then, and then I listed number five is the best recent book on the other side, which I always want to say when I'm teaching a perspective to, to my classes at the seminary, I want to say, if you want to read something on the other side, here's at least one, maybe two, of the best representations of the other side. And, and that book, number five, is the one that's, that's the other view from me. And, and I know a number of those authors, too. OK, good. Yep, Mike. Yeah, Wayne, I've always been curious as to the question of the word that's translated often as teach yep. or teachers, yep. um, whether in the cultural setting it may have had uh, a different uh, cultural thought than, than, than today. My, my question is, could it have had an implication of a uh, higher level of authority and or um, um, position than just just implied by the word teach. I mean, I, I recall teachers were typically rabbis and or, and they were called master mm -hmm. and or and a rabbi and students bound themselves to teachers, you know, mm -hmm. in, in ways that students do not do today. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I'm just wondering whether there, you know, there, there was a richer idea of authority associated with a teacher than, okay. than in our Good. applications today. Good. Yeah, my, my understanding of it is not in any appreciable way, or not in any significant way. The word, I don't permit a woman to teach, and the Greek word to teach, didasko, uh, our word didactic comes from that, didasko, and it's the normal, ordinary, common, everyday word for teaching in the New Testament. And um, I think there was a respect accorded to rabbis, but you don't have to read two pages in rabbinic literature to know that they challenged and questioned one another and, and even just interacting interactions with Jesus in the Gospels. People are challenging him, teaching him, asking him, questioning him, how can this be, etc. cetera. And, um, and so I, I think it's the, it's the normal activity. It's not a special word. It's the normal activity of teaching the Bible when the church gets together. And so it's really, it's the primary passage we have here, um, you know, that, that speaks to this topic. And, um, and it's the same concept or idea where an elder is to be able to teach or an apt teacher. So it's just, it's, it's the normal Bible teaching activity of the church. Um, but I think surely, I, I, when you get situations, for instance, where Paul is in the synagogue persuading, reasoning, arguing, discussing, it would be very much of an atmosphere like what we have here. Think, but good. Yeah. At least that's my understanding of it. Okay, let's go over here to Mary, Mary oh, Rosemary. Yeah, Rosemary. Well, a question that has always you have to hold it a little closer. A problem that has always bothered me is about women learning quietly with submission, mm -hmm. remaining quietly, and to ask your husband, which I don't have. Yep. But in this situation. In our class, I see, is it okay for us to question and discuss things? I think definitely it is. Um, 
I, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I think that quietly means not interrupting and saying, wait a minute, that's wrong. And, but, but, um, but most of the women would have been married. And if, if a woman is saying that's wrong, I think it would be go like this to her husband and say, hey, Jacob, hey, something's wrong here. And Jacob says, oh, yeah, oh, wait a minute. Let me wake up. And, say, and so then Jacob says, wait a minute, that's wrong. <laughs> so um, that's, I think, the picture. Now, oftentimes, Rosemary, oftentimes the Bible sp speaks of the general case without specifying all the exceptions. So, for instance, the command, honor your father and your mother. That's the general case because most kids have a father and a mother. Well, somebody might say, well, my mother died. My dad's bringing me up. Well, okay, you honor your father and follow the principle of honor your father and your mother even if you don't have a mother. So, so here, if there's anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, which we'll come to later in 1 Corinthians. I think that's the general principle of... I think Paul is saying... Um, well, I'll just kind of give an example, Rosemary. If, if I'm teaching on the tribulation and the return of Christ and youth and, and I'm and I'm saying I think Jesus is going to come back in two months to the day and, and all of a sudden you're thinking in your mind, wait a minute, Jesus said you can't know the day or the hour. I think that's encouraging you in that case to to kind of wait for one of the men to exercise the doctrinal control over Grudem who's teaching something wrong and say and say, and so Gene would stand up and say, Wayne, Jesus said you can't know the day or the hour. There's kind of a governing role there that, that is restricted to men. Um, not sure entirely why, but it's just the way that's it, what what's going on, I think. So, does that help at all? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joyce. I hesitate to say this because I don't want to sound like I'm disputing what you're saying. Yeah, it's okay if you do. And I, and I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I do. Mm -hmm. Do you have other scriptures besides this one that, you know, supports this? The fact that he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to blah, blah, blah. Yep makes it sound like that's his feeling. Instead yep. of saying, do not permit a woman, he says, I do not permit a yep. woman, which makes it sound like this is how I do it yep. and not this is how it has to be done. Do yep. you understand what yep. I mean? Yep. So there are two questions. Are there other verses? And does Paul saying, I do not permit, mean that other places it could be elsewhere? Um, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to give you a quick preview of where, where I'm going. After I do some, let's see. Now I've got a bunch of objections here. Okay, and we'll look at those. And then the next thing down on the outline is another passage, 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Um, let, uh, oh, it's the... It's this, as in all the churches, the saints, the women should keep silence in the churches. I, I think that's just what I was talking to Rosemary about. It's when prophecies are being given and people stand up and say, that was right, that was wrong. 
it's judging. And so it looks like governing authority over the church. And then I'm going to go to 1 Timothy 3, where an elder has to be uh, a husband of one wife, and uh, Titus 1, an elder is a husband of one wife. So that looks like that's, that requirement of governing role, authority over the church is husband. And, and then I'm going to say there's a parallel between the family and the church, and I think that's the big picture behind this, that, that God has established equality in many areas and openness to everything, but there's a leadership role in the family and the church that's reserved to men, and they're parallel. Um, and then the other is the 12 apostles, the men, uh, that Jesus chose all 12, and they had that leadership role. And then, um, and the other is the whole Bible in, in this sense. I don't think there's any place in the whole Bible where, where a woman taught an assembled group of people God's word. Um, Deborah judged people under the palm tree. People came to her with hard cases, but it wasn't like proclaiming, thus says the Lord. And so, um, or kind of teaching, uh, which the priests did in the Old Testament. So in a way, it's kind of the whole flow of thought in the Bible. And, and then I'll talk about the history of the church and say all this stuff came up since 1969 or so. It's not kind of that there's always been this huge controversy, except for the... And then... So that's, that's kind of where I'm going. Um, can you hit the B on the keyboard? Thanks. <laughs> Um, so that's that. Now, now, could it be just Paul? He talks that way, like when he talks about the Lord's Supper. I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that the Lord Jesus delivered to me, that the night he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body. And so Paul does that a lot of times. I appeal to you by the mercies of God that you pre present your body as a living sacrifice. Paul's saying, I appeal to you. Uh, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. I think it's him speaking as an apostle whose words are going to end up in the scriptures. So I think it is, it's authoritative for us. But in Joyce, look, I want to say, not that Joyce wants to do this, but as with everything else I'm teaching, um, you don't have to agree with me in every detail, or you don't even have to agree with me um, in what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm happy to have the interaction, but this is what I think is right from the Bible. Okay, Ron. Okay. Hi, uh, good what's morning. your name? My name's Frank. Frank. Um, question for you. At the beginning of verse 11, it mm. says, let a woman. Yeah. And when I look at uh, teachers and how they teach, they're always very particular to single out things. And someone, a teacher would look at me and say, notice that that is a, not a universal address because it doesn't say women. It says a woman, meaning a singular type of woman. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as to why... It can, is there any explanation as to why it says a woman rather than women? Because when you look at the word a woman, that implies a particular woman. And as you look at the bottom at verse 15, it says, and yet she will be saved through childbearing. Yep. So if the, if the phrase a woman in verse 11 is a universal, then how can we go and all of a sudden change our mind in verse 15 and say the she who is the woman is now just a particular woman and not universal women. Otherwise, you end up with a mandate that all women should bear children. Okay. Uh, it's this general kind of thing that we have hundreds of times in the Bible. It's a good, it's a good question to ask about. The general kind of way of teaching in the Bible is 
it takes a specific example and thereby teaches a general truth. So um, let me give another example. Um, you shall not covet uh, your neighbor's wife. The you in Hebrew is actually singular. It's saying, you, individual man, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. It applies to all men, but it, it addresses it to a, a, a specific one. And it actually applies to women. It means women shouldn't covet their neighbor's husbands, but it doesn't name that. It teaches the general truth by a specific example. And so here, I do not permit a woman um, I don't think that we could say Paul means, well, I don't permit a specific woman named Priscilla or something. He's not saying that. Um, I think it's a, it's a general, I do not permit a woman in general uh, to exercise authority. Now here, if it, it, the childbearing, I am going to say that's a kind of a, Speaking in generalizations with recognizing that not all women bear children, but that's, a, that's again, again one of these, it, it talks about specific examples and expects us to make the generalization to the general truth. Does that, does that help? Okay, good. Brian? I'm using, uh, I'm going back to your, your linear graph there about uh, uh, I guess in the one, I think it was First Timothy, you're talking about the pulpit kind yeah. of Bible study. And in Acts 18, it's more like a home study. Yeah. Where do you see Sunday school teaching along that line there? And I guess more specifically, you had mentioned about women teaching high school kids. But yeah. I'm thinking in the context of a woman teaching a mixture of adult men and women in a yeah. particular Sunday school class. Yeah. I Okay, now, I, look, I may be even not aware of what, everything that goes on at Scottsdale Bible Church, but, but, but it, if it's the kind of teaching that I'm doing, even though it's interacting, I'm basically making an argument each week for this is what the Bible teaches and this is what we should do, whether it's about baptism or church government or whatever else we talk about. I think that that kind of teaching should be restricted to men. Now, could there be kind of facilitating discussion kind of class leadership where people are working through a workbook and there's, it's not really like the teaching authority of the church is entrusted to this person. It's like a coordinator or a facilitator where it doesn't look as much like 1 Timothy 2 as it does like just kind of informal talking together. I'd be open to allowing that and saying if I were on the elder board making a decision, yeah, I could say, okay, let's and it might even depend a lot. I hope it's all right that I, I hope you understand here that I don't muddle everything, but I think it might even depend a lot on the attitude and demeanor of the woman. Because there could be some women that are very much just, they're just coordinating and, and serving, and others who are just very domineering. And, and, and you know, it, it's like in your spirit you're sensing, wait a minute, this is, she, you know, this, this woman just likes to be in charge and she is really having this authority over a group of adults that are men and women. And then you say, no, that's right. That's not right. So I could allow for differences there. The question is, for each church and each elder board to, 
to say, okay, we agree there are some differences here. Now, where does this fit in this specific instance? And that's a hard question. That's to be decided by prayer and seeking the wisdom of God in each case. And give grace to different churches and different people that make just kind of on the, on the, on the things that aren't specified, they may come down a little bit differently, but we agreed in the general principle. Well, so how did I do on the outline? Where are we? We're on page one. Um, I think that I think that I should come back to this the next time I'm back in the class. Is that all right? And we'll just try to keep on plowing through it. And I think in one more Sunday, we could get through all of the rest of the outline. But thank you for the good discussion. I don't have a hymn. It's time to quit. Let's pray.